0: You're listening to Authentic You, part of the Jesus Culture Podcast Network.
1: Hello, welcome to Authentic You. This is CJ Liebsherr. I'm here with Erica Meiberg. Hello. And um, yeah, welcome. Here we are. Uh, it's finally the holiday season. Erica is not that chipper about the holiday season. <laughs> not yet,
0: I'm cold. I'm annoyed at I have to dig out sweaters.
1: That's the best. Um, I know. I felt happy all day yesterday because I was wearing a sweatshirt. I felt the heater was on in my house and in my car. I just felt joy all around. I
0: think I may have that seasonal depression thing when I have to adjust to gray skies and... Because it makes me feel a little sad and then I feel myself perk up when the sun comes out. So I yeah. have to adjust. At least it's not it's not grey here all the time. No, it's the sun not. is gonna shine, it's just yes. cold. So I'll be okay. I'll bounce back.
1: Yes. Yes. I just love everything about this time of year. You know what else why I love it though, I've realized? I have such fond member memories. And members <laughs> <laughs> of um, fall sports. So for me, when basketball started, it was this time of year. So when it starts to get cold, when the leaves are falling, when it's darker at night, that meant basketball was happening. And so all of it gives me this, like, rush of memories as a kid that I loved.
0: I. That sounds awesome. I'm, like, this Sunday, um, the...
1: Oh, the time change, yes. Yes.
0: And so talk about depressing, the fact that it's going to be dark at 4.30 or 5 and I need to go to bed by 6. (laughs) There's that whole adjustment thing going on and I hope we make it out. But the older we get, the more I, I genuinely don't like going out at night. Like, so you're talking about basketball games, and I'm like, oh, will I make it to one? Because (laughs) I have to leave my cozy house, and it's so cold, you know, going from the house to the car, and then the (laughs) worst walk is from the car to the gym, where the game is, and then running back. Do you
1: realize you are saying the same thing? As your grandma? As my 70-year-old parents. I know. uh, (laughs)
0: I am fifty now. Yeah, they're like seventy-five. And I'm, I'm just. This is the. It's just adjustment, okay? Uh, no, it's you'll just. Be okay. I'm gonna be okay. But as I sit here I and I think about. A cold night and it's dark and I have to run back and forth from a gym. And I love the basketball. I I'm going to come. Do.
1: Once you're there, it's you're It's just going to be
0: a sacrifice, CJ. Every single time I come and watch your son <laughs> play, she, it is a massive
1: sacrifice. And then she has to deal with, my favorite is, she comes to the game and I go to games a lot. So she comes and she's like, you're so loud. I'm all, yeah, it's a game. This is me. You've been friends with me for 12 years. I'm like, stop yelling at the people. That's rude. <laughs> I'm like, Give have- grace to the riff. <laughs>
0: like, Except when I am angry at Exactly, him too. Then it's exactly. Like-
1: or if it was her kid playing, she'd be yelling wildly for Ruben to do something. But yeah. you're having you've been out of it for a while. I have been out of you've it. You've been out of it. it. The last game made me laugh so hard. She, you were like You're so loud. I was all, (laughs) you have not been here in a while. (laughs) I have not. You are a loud American screaming at everything. I'm so loud American. I know. I know. And I even try to be more restrained when you're there because I know I don't want to blow your your little eardrums away. I apologize that you have to
0: restrain yourself in public. I will do it happily for you. And stop acting like
1: a (laughs) banshee. I am being nice. I happily do it for you. Well...
0: All that is to say, our friendship is going well. We're doing fine. (laughs) We're fine.
1: (laughs) It's fall,
0: I'm cold. We're fine.
1: I did hear a comedian the other day making fun of all the people like me who love fall and the falling leaves. And he was like, oh, yes, let's watch the leaves die and fall to their final death. (laughs) Exactly. The sadness in
0: my heart about that.
1: About rejoicing over the dead things. Yes. Yes, I know. I I, feel
0: the sadness of every tree losing a leaf.
1: You should do like a ceremony for the leaves. Maybe you'd feel better. I do.
0: I stay inside (laughs) on my couch (laughs) because it is cold.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I get mostly excited about the whole time change because I get an extra hour of sleep.
0: Oh, I have a moral dilemma yes. that we need to discuss. I okay. was just thinking about it because the leaves immediately make me think of my leaf blower. <laughs> so there are two things in life that I genuinely love with all my heart, yes. other than the normal things. Yes. My husband, the Lord, people, <laughs> kids, all the things.
1: The normal things.
0: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. Renier gave me uh, a couple years ago, you know this, he gave me a barbell. He bought me a barbell that uh-huh. I do weights with. I love my barbell. Like I'm yes. emotional about my barbell. I know, I know. I've had way weird thoughts about maybe I should put my barbell on my bed. Except like in the beginning when I got the barbell, <laughs> I was so happy about it. I thought about I should sleep with it. Oh. One night, put it on my bed. Okay, so that passed and I got my brains her- back.
1: And counseling.
0: (laughs) The other thing that I love is my leaf blower. Yes. like And Renee bought me one with batteries so there's no wires because Uh a wire can make you lose your salvation. Yes, absolutely. That is, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and I know, I think we've talked about it, that I think all our neighbors are secretly mad at Rainier for buying yes. me the leaf blower because, because I she doesn't blow, know how to use it I don't properly. know how to use it, <laughs> but I use it with gusto and I can use it in the dark. I blow leaves oh, yes. in the dark. Yes, The only time when I restrain myself a little bit is like kind of like a Sunday... Around about lunchtime, because in my head, people still nap over that time, so I'm kind of kind. But if somebody else in your neighborhood, if somebody else in the neighborhood, if I hear it, I perk (laughs) up and I'm like, Oh, they're blowing, I can blow. (laughs) So, the moral dilemma is that, um, we're not the people who pick up every leaf we blow, yes. And I've got this big fir tree like on the corner Uh of my property, so you, you it just dumps these needles and I we have rocks we don't have a lawn or anything so it drops on the pebbles and I can blow it but I just blow it into the middle of the street and I have I feel the same way about it like when you um, when you put a shopping cart away at the wrong spot on the parking lot or I take something from a shelf in the store and I put it back in the wrong spot and I I mumble loudly I'm sorry Lord (laughs) and then I walk away (laughs) Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I have this same thing yes. inside of me, like, is this wrong? Should I be, should we be those people? So Renier helps me a little bit, but I think he's like a spouse help. He makes me feel great. He's like, just do it in the middle of the cul-de-sac because they are those trucks, you know. <laughs> they come and they they brush the road yeah. clean. So just do that. Or sometimes I blow it in the way that the, wi- in the direction that the wind is blowing. <laughs> So anyway, this is my life, guys. I think about these things. So I happily blow. This is why she doesn't
1: have time to go out at night because you got to think about these things.
0: I do. So I'm happily blowing, but just know that it costs me mentally, emotionally, because I feel guilty for kind of blowing it. In the street. So what I've started doing is I blow it down the street and on the side of our fence, which is a yes. side that nobody, only the people who, there's two houses behind us, only those people go down there yeah. and we never go to our side fence. Like And I so scoop those four, leaves
1: before you there. So one day we will scoop them. One day. So one in the day.
0: meantime, I have figured out how to blow it into a little heap on the side Things. Well, I will... S- and the front of the house looks all like... Yeah, oh.
1: in your defense, you know my husband, Banning, is also mm-hmm. a fellow leaf, leaf blower, blower addict. it's like a... Th- it's a thing. Like it's not an was, addict. If there was a group for... <laughs> that's the wrong word to use. For Addiction <laughs> Anonymous of Leaf Blowing, <laughs> you and Banning would both be in it. But since there's not, you guys could just happily blow leaves. So he, I mean, I've told stories, I'm pretty sure. Banning lo- blows leaves off in the rain. Yes. In the wind, yes. which you thought was crazy until you got your leaves blower. Yes, but I
0: try to not look stupid <laughs> out in front, so I kind of have not that. Yes, see, done ours that. is in the
1: backyard. Exactly. And so he can blow away. And, he, and now I do see a little bit more of his reasoning because if he does keep the leaves away, less come in the house with our dogs. No, if I he don't keeps, have that problem. Yeah, yes, so he keeps it blown off so that the dogs don't track the leaves back in the house. But in your defense, I've never seen Banning pick up a pile of leaves that he blows out in the front. I think he happily blows them into the road. I,
0: I, okay, okay. Yes. So I'm like... Well, if Banning Leapshire can do yes. that, then I can. But I still feel, because the way my house is, I'll, everybody gonna, can see my house. So I try yes. to look around. Is there anybody <laughs> outside? I try to sneakily... Blow it in the house. And then I sometimes also mumble out loud, like, oh, yeah, because, oh, oh. <laughs> and then I <laughs> go inside. Because so
1: many people <laughs> spend time watching you and keeping yes. track of like, oh, yes. she mumbled, she's going to pick it up later. She, she dirties
0: our street <laughs> with leaves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and needles. I'm going to pay attention where Banning blows the leaves next time because I usually try to avoid watching at yeah. all costs because I'm concerned about it. The other problem I think I'm is concerned just about it. the
0: sound because mine is like... Hum. We have the same one. Hum.
1: We have the same one, but Banning knows how to actually not do no, that yeah. I do. <laughs> 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 His just stays the Yes, whole
0: time. there's something I have a thing with. I'm yes. like, oh, there goes the battery, so stop. <laughs> and just uh, uh, instead of her, uh,
1: <laughs> I know that's all why, right. Well, there you go. That's why I say she doesn't know how to use it. Anyway, <laughs> well, thank you for helping me.
0: I'm not going figure to that pay out. attention.
1: <laughs> And I will hopefully report
0: back. Just let Benny come to my house and show me because that... that will not go well.
1: No. She does not want to be taught. No, I do not want to be told what to do. Yes, she's got it down. I would never think of it. Thank you. (laughs) I've got you. Before we get into, we're going to... You guys are going to listen to a message that I shared, which... It's wonderful. Took a lot of guts for me to do. I didn't want to do it. I don't want to be ridiculed or pointed out where I'm wrong. So I really would rather hide in the back. But instead I spoke.
0: And you were obedient to the
1: Lord. Yes, yes. And And it was good, and you need to. You have something to say, CJ. Fine, I did it. It was good, so you're going to hear it. But after that, a couple days later, little Missy here turned half a century old. (laughs) She's so rude. Why can you not say two quarters? No, you're half a century. You're halfway to 100. That's amazing. 100. (laughs) And this is what I live with. She has to. I am four years younger than her, so I just like to make sure everybody knows that at all times. (laughs) Except for if you saw her, you would not know she's 50, and she can outrun us all, which is very angering. But I still think I could punch her harder than she can punch me. So that's and the one that thing I have. That
0: is why you will never catch
1: me. <laughs> that's true. I will
0: give you a kick
1: and I will run, and you won't catch me. We have decided that if anybody's ever coming after us, I will just turn and try to ward them off with punches. I don't think it'll last long, but she just needs to run.
0: <laughs> yes, I will go for help.
1: Yes. <laughs> I won't be able to and run away.
0: <laughs> if there's a wall, I will be able to climb over it. If yes. it's a rope, I can climb up. Yes. There are many things I can do. If you go on your all fours, I will climb on your back and oh, jump over. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I will go down, you stand on my back, get over, and then I'll jump over. I don't think I can do it. You can my if arms I give you and neck. a boost. My broken
1: neck won't let me get over anything. Well, yes.
0: And then you're dead
1: on the other side <laughs> of the
0: fence, <laughs> and I'm gone. <laughs>
1: Anyway, if anybody wanted to know our attack plan. (laughs) So enjoy this message that you guys are gonna listen to. It was a great night we had What did you speak on? I spoke on courage. There you go. And what courage really looks like, what we think courage looks like, but what it really is and that it really takes courage to follow the Lord. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about what courage looks like. And first, I want to say what else, what you all guys did stepping forward. That's courage to me. That's beautiful courage. Um, for me, I grew up with a picture of courage being who was the loudest. Braveheart was the epitome of courage for me and what I always thought I would be. The person on the horse leading everyone to victory But in reality, I'm way too scared to do any of that. Um, I also thought I would be one of those, like, if you ever come to attack my kids, I will kill you. And then one day, me and Ellie went to the bathroom at a public restroom, and like at a rest stop. And we were, she was probably 13, and we were discussing... um, how I guess there was like men that were hiding in the back stall of women's restrooms at rest stops and blah, blah, blah. So me and Ellie go to the bathroom. If you know Ellie, she loves to make me scared or react. So we go in and she goes in first and she's like, comes out and she's like kind of whispering. She's like, mom, there's a guy in there. And I'm like, Ellie, come on, we have to pee. Let's just do this. And I storm back there and literally there's a man in the back stall. And we're like, ah! like screaming and then we both run to the door and we both get our shoulders stuck in the doorway so we're kind of like bouncing off each other and it's like ah and it's all mass chaos and then she's 13 so she's faster than me and we start to round the corner and just instinct I literally reached up and yanked her behind me and then ran on ahead I lost my shoes threw my child to the man and went running but I thought, I got to the car and I was feeling good. Like, I've done it. I just, like, saved my child. Like, we got in the car. We get in the car, and actually, some of Erica's kids were with me. And they were sitting in the car. They just watched Ellie come, and I come screaming out of the bathroom. And they're just looking at us like, you idiots. And we get in the car, and we're like, there's a man. And then there's a group of men sitting in a minivan, and they're watching us, and then out comes their friend from the girls' bathroom. You just didn't know. They went to the girls' bathroom. But uh, we ran from that rapist. And then, but I'm, like, feeling still confident. Like, I saved my kid. I saved my kid. I don't know how, but I saved my kid. And we're driving, and we we're, like, 10 minutes down the road, and Ellie goes, Mom, I think you pushed me backwards. Like, I think you pushed me behind you. I was like, no. I wouldn't have done that. No, I did. I did. So now I don't feel confident that I would save anybody. I'm really sorry. Like, we've talked about, like, if there was an evacuation, I'd probably run over people. I don't know. I have a very good, like, protect myself thing. I think inside myself, I think I will save people, but instead I just save me. And I get outside. I'm like, where y'all at? What's happened? Losers. I beat you. I beat you. I beat my daughter. That's what I did. I literally lost my shoes, you guys. I had to, like, hang my head and walk back to pick up my shoes, in front of the men who were laughing that we ran from their friend. Yeah, we knew that wasn't a rapist. Anyway, that wasn't part of my plan to share share that with you. To sharing you, I have got courage. Um, I had to. Uh, I well, I have. I don't know what I have. I had two grandmothers that were I was raised by. Like amazing amazing women who to me exemplified courage. Um my one grandma's still alive. She's 83. Uh she she's 83, which is pretty impressive, guys. She has my daughter is 23. So she became a grandma at 38. She was a teenage mom, and I'm pretty sure she would not advocate for that for everyone else now, but it's pretty cool to be a grandma at 38. Um, But she, let's just say, she was raised in such a rough home that when she was 15 and met a man that was 10 years older than her, that was willing to take her out of there, she took it. And so she married a man who was an alcoholic, womanizer, had four kids in four years, And then got a job as a nurse, became a self-taught nurse by this doctor. She never went to school. so funny. I grew up with my grandma, the nurse. And then when I asked her, I'm like, how'd you become a nurse? She's like, Dr. Backrack taught me how to be a nurse. I'm all, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Everything you did. My whole life was illegal. Like, she gave everyone shots. Like, she did everything. I'm all, that is not okay. Like, you... I think we'd all go to jail now. I, I, she had a drawer full of medicine, you guys. Like prescription medicine that we'd all like, grandma's got a strep throat. She's like, oh, here you go. I'm like, now I'm like, ooh, ooh. Anyway, it was a long time ago. Okay, you can't take us to jail anymore. Um, but she was just that woman. So by the time I like started to have memories though, you know, like you get older, the woman I knew lived alone. She celebrated every holiday. She cut her own wood, stacked it, kept the house warm, made every meal, decorated like it was the festivities for the entire city to come to at her house. You know, you thought, this woman has it all together. And then um, when I, I don't know, when you get married and you start to have kids and all of a sudden you're like, this is harder than, it, than I thought. <laughs> I feel sad. <laughs> I feel scared. I feel emotional. I, all the things, I called my grandma one day. And I'm like, this is hard. Banning's gone all the time. And she's like, what are you talking about? Your grandpa was gone. I had to hand wash diapers. I had four babies. I made sure he had lunch going out the door and dinner was ready when he got home. I was all, sorry, grandma, you're right. But so the message I got from her was things are hard, but you shove it down You put a smile on your face, you make the best of it. That was courage. That's what you did. You get up, you do what you do, you know? And, And I admired her. She's a great woman. I mean, what she did, what she overcame, I mean, there's a whole lot more to her story. Like, she raised these four kids when her youngest son was 11. He shot himself. She walked in, found him dead, had to take care of all that stuff. I mean, like, as I got older and learned her story, I'm all wow, I think I would still be hiding in that closet over there and grandma's like taking on the world. So this spoke to me, this is what you do. You put a smile on and you go for it. You do everything you got to do. You face the world. And there's a lot of good I learned in that, but there's also more to it. My other grandmother, uh, she actually passed away this summer, but she lived to 100 and she was pissed that she was 100. (laughs) Like, she was so mad. Every year past, like, 85, she was like, just let me die. She's like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm the oldest person I know. And she, she was literally, she was hilarious. I was like, Granny, we love you. We don't want you to die. She's like, whatever. Who has time to talk to this old woman? I'm like, I do. I'm here. Your granddaughter, who loves you? Anyway, I love, love, love my granny. Anybody that's around me long enough, you hear stories about my granny. Everything I make, like, this is granny's spaghetti sauce. This is granny's. This granny had a big impact on me. She, um, she was born in 1922. She saw World War II, the Depression. She saw the Vietnam War. She saw the 60s happen. She, but one of my favorite things when I talked to her, I said, because she saw cars, air travel, I mean, she never, I would say she saw the internet, but she didn't. (laughs) It was around, but she refused to look at it. Um, But uh, my favorite thing I asked her, I'm like, Granny, you have lived through so much. What is probably the most profound thing? And she's like, the fact that you can travel to other countries so easily. Isn't that interesting? I was like, that is not what I thought you were going to say. Like fast cars, I don't know dishwashers. That would be something I would be pretty excited about. Um, My granny also has a crazy story. Her dad died when she was 11. Her her mom, my granny, wrote a book of like our family history. Which when I read it, I'm all, I'm a loser. Granny's mom was a widow with three kids. Women weren't really allowed to have many jobs outside of like librarian and stuff like that. She took over running all the workers for the local farms in Vacaville, even though a woman wasn't allowed to have that job. So much so they changed the law because she did it so well. I'm all dang, dang. What was her? Gummy, gummy. My family always has special names, gummy. That was gummy. So my granny's, you know, lost her dad at 11, lost her brother to the war a few years later. She gets married, marries my papa who is a great man but not a very um, soft, kind man, you know, who's going to meet her every need. Um, they started a company. She took care of all the finances. They had two kids within like a year of each other and... Um, And that's what she did. She just worked her tail off. They had five acres do this. And then when her youngest son is 18, there's a car accident that she loses her youngest son and her sisters, two boys. And my dad's the only one that survived. And um, so by the time I'm old enough to pay attention to my granny, though, all I see is this woman who carries herself with joy. She takes care of the house has a smile on her face. We did not celebrate holidays at that house. She did refuse to do holidays after all the death. But besides that, she put a smile on her face. So what I learned from that granny is you're okay and you don't talk talk about stuff. So if you've had a lot of bad stuff happen, you just don't talk about it and then it makes it okay. But to me, she was so strong. She was so strong. So that was a picture of courage for me. Um, But then... I've now had to walk through my own journey and figure out what my courage looked like. And my courage, and man, I tried, because those were my two biggest role models. And I, to me, they did life so well. But every which way I went, I couldn't match up to their courage. I couldn't do it. Like, I could not. I would picture my grandma washing those dirty diapers by hand and making my grandfather lunch and dinner. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I'm not okay. I'm not okay, and I can't summon up the strength to be okay. The courage to face each day just because. I didn't have it in me um, the, way de- the way they did. So I had a moment that courage changed my life, and it did not look anything like my granny or my grandma. My, by the way, my granny starched. Does anybody here still use starch? when you iron, you do. Guys, I didn't even know that existed until one day Banning had to speak down here and we were staying at my granny's house and she ironed a shirt for him. And he came back and he's like, what is this? This is the best thing I've ever seen. And I said, put it down. Don't ever look at it again, it'll never happen. But I learned, my granny starched everything. She starched my grandfather's underwear. I was like, they were just better made. I'm sorry for all of us. But they they just better made then or something? I don't know. I don't understand. She also, guys, my granny wouldn't eat till my grandfather got home. If Banning even tried to tell me I should wait for him, I'd be like, are you getting Taco Bell on the way home? I don't know what dinner you're talking about, but... Like fresh made meal, she waited in the oven for him till he got home at like nine o'clock at night. I was like, yes, they're just better people than we are. Or maybe just me. Maybe you all are amazing wives that wait for your husband to walk through the door with your meal prepared. And the boys are put to bed and she's just waiting. Anyway, um, there, was, there was a preacher that came to Bethel and was sharing about the story of David and Saul and how um, Jonathan's son Mephibosheth was still alive after David had taken reign finally. And uh, David, of course, is reaching out to find the descendants of Saul. Mephibosheth, if you guys don't know, was lame because when his babysitter or whatever was running away, she dropped him, and he was... (laughs) had lame feet. I, it was just like this story that I was like, I like this story. I, I don't know. I like stories in the Bible that feel like a movie. I am like a movie in my head person. So I was like, I can picture Mephibosheth. His, I don't know if you guys know this, but his legs are curled in like this in my head. All right. Anyway, so David asks for him to be summoned and he gets invited to the king's table. You're not allowed to be at the king's table if you're disabled. Like, there's like a, there's a thing that's, you know, it's supposed to be for people that are, I don't know, perfect or whatever they have decided in their head. But King David doesn't care. He wants to honor Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth is at the king's table. And what I loved was um, the the preacher talked about how nobody else there knew about Mephibosheth's disabled legs. They couldn't see it. All they saw was what the king wanted him to see, so that he was honored and at the table. And it was like this super moving t- uh, story. And I was like, wow. And people were like weeping all around me. And I was like, that's so good for you. I'm so glad God's healing that in you. This is beautiful. And then he said, if you feel like Mephibosheth, please step forward. I'm watching all these people step around, but you guys, my heart is like exploding within my chest. But I'm like, I don't feel like Mephibosheth. I don't have, my legs are fine. I've checked them out, totally fine. I don't, have, I don't feel like there's anything that I'm embarrassed about. You know, whatever, you know, all the things are going through your head. The Holy Spirit's clearly knocking and I'm like, I'm sweating. I don't know, that's weird. Are you hot? (laughs) Is it just me? You know, like, heart's pounding. I'm just shaking all over. And I I do, I like to give myself credit that I had courage in this moment. But um, really, I think the Holy Spirit pushed me from behind. Because next thing I knew, I was in, I stepped forward, and I was just in the very back of this massive crowd that had gone forward. And um, it was like I stepped into a veil, of his presence. I don't know how to describe it, but it was just a veil. And um, what the Lord started to do in that moment was like the deepest healing that he began, like this deep wail started from like my gut. And, but what it did for me was I was like, what I, as I look back now, I'm like that moment right there was probably my biggest step of courage I've ever had. It wasn't facing the scariest thing I've done. It wasn't leading. It wasn't standing up in front of people. It wasn't being the loudest voice. It wasn't um, trying something new. It was following in obedience to what the Lord was leading me and then choosing to trust Him with where He was taking me. Because you guys, as I was crying, everything was going through my head. Why am I crying? What am I crying about, Lord? Is it this? I'm crying because my brother died. That's why I'm crying. (laughs) Literally, you guys, I'm not exaggerating. This is what's going through my head. I'm sad because my brother died. I'll, I'll cry about that now. It's like, no, I mean, it was just this deep, deep wail. And it was just the start of this journey of me and the Lord. But every step of it is a choice to be brave enough to go where he's taking you. Where does he wanna take you tonight? What does he have for you? What journey does he have in front of you? But the biggest thing is the courage. I feel like the Lord is saying to our women right now is do you have the courage to follow me? Do you have the courage to trust me enough to maybe go to the painful places you've avoided? Do you have the courage to go after that healing that you know is there for you? Because I will say there is there is healing and hope on the other side of stepping out in this courage. There is, um, I remember I, I actually, I was crying so loud. I look back now and I'm like, "Oh, sir, the Lord, I've, I've said it before. He, he doesn't mind embarrassing me. I don't think he'll embarrass all of you. For me, he doesn't mind. Because I was like, just let me cry quietly to myself. And why can't I be a pretty qu- crier? Like those people just like drop tears. My face is like, and then the tears drop. Um, but the, the journey he takes you on is worth it. Where he, who I am today started back on that day when I chose to step out and trust him with where he was taking me. And I honestly didn't know it, you guys. It was six months. Every time I got in the presence of the Lord, I would cry like that. And it was this journey that I, people, I had young kids that would ask me, why do you cry like that? It's like, I have no idea, but I knew he was doing something in me. And I feel like tonight there's an invitation for you guys to go there, to go where he is inviting you to go. And I feel like our women, you guys, we have a chance to lead the way. We are a church full of powerful women. But listen, we can't lead the way if we're not willing to be tender and walk with him. Like you can't really lead the way if you aren't truly listening and following where he's leading you. We can be great leaders and be dynamic people, but if we're not tender to what he has going on in our life, we're gonna miss it. We're gonna miss what he's taking us. I feel like there's a challenge for you guys to look at what you think strength and courage is in your life and ask the Lord what that is for you. Like I think sometimes we think we've got it all together because you know we're like my grandma. My house looks great. I love everybody. I hold down a good job. I take care of all my chores. Is that what the Lord's asking you to do? Are you just doing what is in front of you because you think that's what you're supposed to do? What, and I just want to, the only reason why I'm saying this, guys, is not because that's bad, but because the Lord has more for you. It's not, I mean, that's, those are all great things. My grandma is a great woman doing all that. Her accomplishments are amazing, but there's more. Like, I know the Lord wanted to meet her in her pain. The Lord wanted to heal her loss instead of her just push through it and be strong. He wanted to meet her and hold her and let her know there is more. She never, um, she, that's not something my, my, either one of my grandmothers ever have known is that the Lord has more for them. There is joy beyond the morning. You know, there is more. So tonight I want to invite you guys. I want to invite you guys to have the courage to go after with what the Lord has for you. Whether that is um, going after maybe the painful things that you don't want to look look at. I feel like there's also, there's some dreams in your hearts tonight that you feel like there's no way I myself can get there. There's no way I can make it happen. So you have just set it down. You don't want to tell anybody about it. You guys, to be honest, I feel like the Lord told me in August I was supposed to speak and I wouldn't tell anybody till three weeks ago. I was like, I'm going to wait and we're going to gather as a team and I'm going to see their ideas. And if they have better ideas, we'll go with that. And the Lord, I mean, so this whole thing has just been this journey of choosing to trust him. Do we have it? Do we have enough to do what we're called to do, what he's asking us to do? Is it going to be perfect? No. Are we okay if we fail in front of people? Do we trust him enough to step out? Or do we trust Him enough right now in this pretty painful environment to let ourselves be vulnerable? I think right now the Lord's inviting you to step out. Ladies, I hope you enjoyed that message. It was a really beautiful night we had with our women and Erica brought a word before the message. That was just felt like a Rhema word from the Lord that I wanted her to share with you all too.
0: <clears throat> yes, that that afternoon as I was praying and preparing, I just felt like the Lord brought this verse. It's a very well known verse in Joel two, verse twenty-five. I'll read a couple verses before that. Um, I'll start at verse twenty-three, Joel two. It says, Be glad, O people of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain, the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And then, verse 25, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten the great locust and the young locust, the other locust and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. And I I really felt that verse where um, the Lord was saying that He will repay and restore. That mm. is another word, that He would restore what the locusts have eaten. And <clears throat> we invited the ladies up, and I want to invite you to, because the locust that have stolen in your life can look like a death of a loved one. It can look like a relationship broken. It can look like money issues, mm-hmm. something that has been stolen of you. It can look like years of drought. We all in our lives have something that we can point to that has been stolen from us, that yeah. we knew that that is not God's intent for us. It's not His will for us. And I, the Lord was talking to us about he is committing and saying, I want to, and I will restore that to you. So I want you to just bring your heart, listen to the Holy Spirit, bring that thing, the relationship, the money, the issue, the losing somebody, losing um, something. Bring that to the Lord right now and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And let Him let him in, because this is the word over you. And this is the season for restoration That's and good. repaying of what was lost. And I have a verse that I want to um, pray this over you. And that night I was thinking about it and didn't do it, but it was in my head the whole time um, in Jeremiah 17. To me, I have this picture of here is a land that has been eaten bare by the locusts. And here is a picture of the restoration and the repaying. And this is how it will look like in your situation, in your life, in your future. So here is what it will look like. And it is Jeremiah 17 verse... Let's take it from 7, and it says, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That is what I saw and what I feel like is the... If you will, the other side of this coin is that is the picture of um, you are called to be a tree that is planted by. This is how the Lord looks at us; like we are these trees planted by water, whose roots go to the water and go very deep, and that you will always bear fruit. You will, and there's another scripture that says Mm. you will bear fruit in and out of season. And I feel like that is the word over us. Right now, this is what He has for us. This is the repayment and restoration. That is how it looks like. So if you can look at the two pictures mm-hmm. and know that this is the promise of God, this is what He has for us right now, and that you get to, to enter into that. And you get to say yes and allow Him to bring restoration to you. Oh, that's beautiful.
1: Can you pray over the ladies and let's just... I just want to encourage you guys to step into the moment the Lord has for you. Just let Him do receive. Just be in a place of receiving what He has for you. And um, yeah, there was just something really profound that happened that I feel like can continue to happen in your own homes, in your car, on your walk, wherever you're at in this moment.
0: Yeah. Lord, we thank you that... Every person that is listening to this podcast, Lord, that, God, You have destined them to hear this. I thank You that this promise that You make in Your Word, that You will repay and restore what has been stolen, that what has been eaten by the locust, that it is a promise that is for each one of us, for every lady, for every listening ear here. It is a promise and we thank you for that. I release, Lord, this promise of repayment and the restoration over every lady in mm-hmm. Jesus' name. And I thank you, God. I thank you that you have called us blessed. Mm-hmm. I thank you that each lady here, God, has an invitation, Lord, to intimacy, to restoration, to healing. Lord, to more of your presence, more of your spirit, to peace, that this is, we can know with a confidence that this is your heart towards every woman here in Jesus' name to, to restore. This is your heart towards them. And we ask, Lord, for just an acceleration of this promise in their lives right now in Jesus' name, that testimonies will come forth from this, stories of how you brought restoration. And I thank you, God, that restoration is so uniquely you that it doesn't always look like we think it should look like, but it is just, and it is kind, and it is over and above. And we thank you for the over and above restoration in every lady's life right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that they are called um, to be planted by the river, by the streams. Thank you, Lord, for deep, deep roots, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that, that they will not stop bearing fruit, no matter how hard things may be, that they will bear fruit in and out of season, in Jesus' name. Just bless every woman, Lord with bearing fruit. Even when it comes to the years where someone is trying to have a baby, I was just thinking about this, mm. God, we thank You for fruit. Yes, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for bearing fruit, no matter what sciences or statistics mm. say. We thank You, Lord, that she will bear fruit yes, Lord. in this lifetime in the name of Jesus.
1: Mm.
0: Thank you, Father.
1: Well, ladies, thank you for hanging out with us for a bit. And we will do another one soon. And I'm sure we will have lots of nonsense to share with you. Christmas is coming, and I always seem to be filled with extra nonsense as the holidays are near. So um, we'll talk to you all soon.
0: Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you like the show, be sure to leave us a review. Connect with us on Instagram at AuthenticU.AY. We would love to hear from you.